Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about their influence, or lack thereof, on the Kardashians. We invite you to join us for a cup of coffee at Central Perk. We relate the sad plight of Kim Kardashian, who has, alas, run afoul of the law. We play another round of Stump the Older Dog, and Jim isn't laughing. And we reveal some little-known facts about Queen Elizabeth. The Old Dog's conversation is with Margie Seaman. After many years in marketing, she is now not only a website designer, but also a travel blogger and a budding romance author in her 80s. Stay with us. Hey there, Paul. Hey there, Jim. What's on your mind today? Um, we had a pod nugget in today's episode about the power of Kim Kardashian. Yes. She is an influencer, and she has over 300 million followers that are just dying for her advice. <laughs> but, you know, it does raise a natural question. Yeah. Should we be looking to celebrities for advice on how to live our lives? You know, it seems odd that we even have to ask that question. Of course, we shouldn't be listening to celebrities for advice. What do they well, know? We do. Well, you and I don't, but, <laughs> but a lot of people do. Witnessed by all the celebrity endorsements on television pushing products. Obviously, they must work. But why? Okay. I mean, why would you take it from, for example, Tom Selleck? Why would Tom Selleck have anything to say to us about whatever? Movie stars have this perceived credibility because of this fictional persona that they have foisted on us over the years that's the point these yeah. people were credible in their roles and so people uh, like perhaps not like you and me but other people think of these actors as being their character and that's who they're trusting right exactly yeah there's also situations in which they are giving political advice mm -hmm. or or they are raising money for a charity that they endorse uh -huh. All of which is there, there's a manipulation underneath it all, don't you think? I do. I do. I think that there are exceptions to that rule. I, for example, people who have a very personal commitment to a particular cause, like Sally Struthers and uh, animals. Uh, and you could believe her because she wasn't pretending. She was living that role. She was actively befriending animals. Okay. Uh, that's but the sort of thing. if you and I were to go on camera and recommend what she's recommending, there would be absolutely no impact. Right. <laughs> Actually, speak for yourself. I, I think that people would trust me for advice on animals. Oh, yeah. Believe that. Mm hmm <laughs> So I, I guess the caution is really, you know, um, not that they should or shouldn't do it. I'm suggesting that people should uh, look upon an actor um, – who is recommending something with with some caution. Okay. Okay, so in other words, I think you should unfriend Kim Kardashian. It's about time, don't you think? <laughs> You've discovered my dirty little secret, haven't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> I could tell because of the beauty aids. <laughs> if you are a fan of the Friends TV show, you can soon hoist a cup of joe in familiar surroundings. This item is from People Magazine for August 24th, 2022. 
A chain of Central Perk coffee houses is in the works with the first to start perking in 2023. The project is a collaboration of Warner Brothers themed entertainment and Send Per Holdings, a coalition of coffee and food experts. Although Friends ended in 2004, continual syndication has kept the sitcom alive and the investors hope that connection will pay off. The Central Perk Coffee House was essentially the clubhouse for the characters in the series, serving up gossip and coffee in equal amounts. According to Warner Brothers, the proposed coffee house chain will be imbued with the same heart and soul as the iconic setting from the series. Central Perk will be a place for fans and friends to slow down and come together over great coffee and eats. If you just can't wait, you can at least order the coffee now. Three blends are available. How you doing? A medium roast blend, <laughs> pivot blend, medium to dark roast coffee, and we were on a coffee break, dark roast blend. If you think the concept is lame, just remember Bubba Gump Shrimp Company is still around. Well, here's a news item featuring two things that puzzle us, Kim Kardashian and cryptocurrency. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for October 3rd, 2020. I have no idea why Kim Kardashian has influence over anyone. Me neither. But she is a social influencer with 330 million Instagram followers. Oh my gosh. Companies pay her a lot of money to mention their products to her followers. She has amassed a fortune with her Instagram mentions. She's worth $1.8 billion, according to Forbes. Okay. No harm, no foul, except she recently touted a cryptocurrency called the Emacs token, which got her noticed by the Securities and Exchange Commission. You see, that amounted to paid investment advice. In ads like that, you're supposed to disclose what you have been paid, and she didn't. The result is a fine from the SEC in the amount of $1.26 million and an agreement to not promote any crypto tokens for three years. But I'm afraid her troubles aren't over. She was named as a co-defendant in a class action lawsuit in California. The suit accused her of participating in a scheme to inflate the value of the Emacs token, which has since lost 92% of its value. The lesson is obvious. You are welcome to be influenced by any other Kim Kardashian endorsements, such as the Tria at-home laser hair removal system, quick-trim extreme burn diet pills. Just avoid any of her investment advice. Paul, uh, you think it's okay if we ask Kim to endorse our podcast? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think she would? Oh, sure. When Queen Elizabeth died in September, there was an outpouring of complimentary and well-known biography of her long reign. We can now supply some surprising facts about Her Highness thanks to the Interesting Facts website. Elizabeth never went to school. British royals were often educated at home. She was taught by private tutors with a focus on British law and history. As a princess, she served with the British Army during World War II. As part of her service, she learned to drive and maintain trucks. She didn't eat pasta, potatoes, or garlic. She preferred grilled fish, chicken and vegetables, salad and fruit. Ninety percent of all living human beings were born after she became queen. She invented the dorgy, a cross between a corgi and a dachshund. 
She used her purse to send signals to her staff. She would shift her purse from her left arm to her right if she wished to be ushered away from a conversation. A purse on the floor meant save me from an uncomfortable situation. A purse on the table during dinner meant whisk me away in the next five minutes. Her Majesty enjoyed a gin and dubonnet before lunch, a glass of wine with lunch, a dry martini in the evenings, and a glass of champagne as a nightcap. Not a bad way to get through the day. Yeah. Fifteen prime ministers served under her, beginning with Winston Churchill and ending with Liz Truss, whom the Queen met just two days before her death. Churchill once said, All the film people in the world, if they had scoured the globe, could not have found anyone so suited to the part. Hail to the Queen, she howled at the moon with style. Due to popular demand, which is really my popular demand, Not mine. we present the return of Stump the Older Old Dog. Oh, boy. The true-false questions are drawn from 15 geography facts you've always wondered about from the InterestingFacts.com website. Here is your first question. The prime meridian separates the eastern and western hemispheres. True or false? False. Well, this is good. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Established in 1884, the prime meridian has a longitude of zero degrees. Hmm. All right, next one. The international dateline has no legal status. Countries are free to decide whether they will be today or tomorrow. True or false? Um, what about yesterday? No, this isn't time travel. Oh, okay. I'm saying that's true. You're right. It's true. Of course I am. It's located 180 degrees from the prime meridian, and mm -hmm. the international dateline actually follows a zigzag, zigzag course, depending yes. on what intersected countries choose. All right, ready for the next one? No. Oceans and seas are quite distinct. Oceans are the large bodies of water that cover the Earth. Seas are subdivisions of oceans, which are used as an aid for navigation. True or false? Oh, that is true. False. What? Seas are a geographical term for smaller bodies of water bordered by two land masses. Ah, that was a trick question. Here we go. There is a difference between a key and a key. Keys are low-lying islands, while keys describe sandbars or coral reefs. True or false? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say true. False. Ah! They are exactly the same. Islands, sandbars, or reefs can be a K or a key. And to add to the confusion, there is a key K in the Virgin Islands. <laughs> Here's the next one. The main difference between a marsh and a swamp is trees. True or false? Yes, that is true. You finally got one. <laughs> Swamps have trees and marshes don't. Yes. And as a matter of fact, the Everglades are actually a big marsh. Yes. All right, here's the last question. I'm holding my breath. A hill becomes a mountain once its summit is taller than a thousand feet. True or false? That is false. True. What? I, true oh, that man, it's false? Jim, that's how you make a mountain out of a molehill. Once it's over <laughs> a thousand feet, you got yourself a mountain. And uh, as I calculate this, the older old dog got two right and four Wrong. You know, Sister Mary Elephant is going to be disappointed in me. <laughs> yes, I imagine.
Margie Seaman is an unabashed octogenarian who decided that after a four-decade career in marketing, she was ready for something new. A college grad after 50, she's a successful website designer and the creator of the popular travel blog, The Great Tripper. Her latest bid to stave off boredom is the publication of her first romance novel. Well, I tell you, I would like to get started talking okay. about your career with Foley's. Okay. That's a name that is near and dear to Houstonians. Yes, it is. Perhaps Long not going. to our other listeners. Foley's was a major department store chain in the state of Texas, and they were swallowed up by Macy's some time ago. Well, what were you doing with Foley's? What was your job? When I retired, I was an executive training and development. I managed all stores, uh, new hire training programs, and I also did executive training uh, in diversity and customer service and just a lot of different areas that uh, we had very extensive training programs for everyone in the company. Uh, it was time. I was 67, so I retired and dreamed of having nothing to do all day long and ended up in web design. And don't ask me where that came from, but it presented itself, and then I became a web designer. Now, where did that come from, Margie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's something that I think uh, my two older brothers were very involved at, with computers at the very beginning of the computer age. Uh, it's like learning to play the piano. Once you get the basics down and you understand the uh, reading of music, you can apply that knowledge to a lot of other areas. And I found that programming was very similar to reading music. Now, that sounds pretty far-fetched, and that's all right. I, I'm probably the only one that agrees with that. But uh, it just kind of came naturally. And it's not just programming. It was web design also. It was design and actual building of the website. Wow. To me, a website is the same as a brick-and-mortar store. It's just that it's uh, really two-dimensional instead of three-dimensional. Now, you are, you're playing at a playground that's normally younger people. Have you experienced any age discrimination at all? No, I haven't. Not really. I have had some people concerned that, you know, what's going to happen if I kick off tomorrow? You know, but I've got staff that can take over Many years ago, Lawrence Steffi, he was a columnist with the Houston Chronicle, mm -hmm. wrote an article about me and said something to the effect of, would you hire your grandmother to build your mm. website? <laughs> so we all know what the answer to that question would be. But once we start talking or once I meet with a client and we start talking and I give them ideas and listen to their ideas, I think it just kind of they kind of forget about the age thing. I think there's an initial, you know, you do what? Um, and then after that, we kind of get on to what we really want to accomplish with the website and the age becomes secondary. You have a travel blog called The Gray Tripper. How did that come about? Well, I like to, I love Texas also. My family came to Texas in 1841 before Texas was a state. So I love the state and I love to travel. Uh, so I just started going. In fact, I travel with my sister-in-law and my sister-in-law is eight years older than I am. So you've got two little old ladies out on the road, which is kind of scary. Uh, but we would take out and just go find different areas, mainly the hill country, 
And then I started going over to uh, going down to Big Ben with my sons and we'd camp out in Big Ben. So with all that background behind me, I thought, well, you know, people really need to know what Texas is. So I started writing and thinking, you know, people need to get out. I hate to see people when they get old. And I feel very strongly about this, that as we age, there is a tendency to find a recliner and to, you know, want to sit in a recliner and just watch television. And I think to stay active, to stay engaged is very important. So I thought, okay, we've got the day tripper who goes out on channel eight and he visits all these cities and he does really wild things. Um, you know, he does a lot of hiking and climbing mountains and uh, scuba diving and things I wouldn't even attempt. So I thought we need a gray tripper and a gray tripper could go around and show people how, even if you're in your seventies and eighties, there are things you can do. There are places to go, people to meet, a lot of beautiful scenery to see. So I just started the great tripper as a way to motivate people to get out of the house, take some trips and go visit our beautiful state. And we've been all over. I think I've covered just about every corner of the state. And then I've thrown in a couple of other uh, trips that I've made just to add a little interest to the whole thing. Cause I've been to all 50 States and I don't think I've ever been to a state that I haven't totally enjoyed or been in a city that I didn't think was beautiful. Well, you know, we, we've got this uh, elephant in the room that yeah. we, we need to approach, and that is your first novel. First novel. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. You took well, your time you. getting there. Thank you. I think what's interesting about this novel, Margie, is that it's a romance about two older people, and you don't get that too much in literature. Well, nobody thinks that older people are capable of romance. No. Yeah, I guess I guess some younger people are uncomfortable with that topic, that uh, older people should be inert. But I, I would like to know, how did this all come about? I know you, you've wanted to write a novel for a long time. And why did it so suddenly happen now? Well, it, it's two parts, really. Yes, I had wanted to be a writer, and all through elementary school and high school and every place, my teacher said, Margie, you need to write. But I kept putting it off because the one thing I'm extremely good at in life is procrastination. So I waited, kept thinking, okay, next year, I'm going to write a novel next year. Well, next year's kept going on. So then I went to college and I went to college very late in life and didn't graduate until I was 54. My professor said, Margie, you need to write. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do it next year. Well, fast forward to my 83rd birthday. And I thought, oh, oh we got a problem here. I'm kind of running out of next year's. So if I'm going to do this, I better do it. So I had something in mind. Uh, I do a lot of cruising or I did do a lot of cruising. So I thought, well, you have to write what you know. And I do know cruising. So I thought I would set the novel with the background of being on a cruise to the Panama Canal. Had just basic ideas, but then one of my clients is also an author and opened up a publishing company. And I had always told him that I wanted to write. And he said, finally, one day we were talking and I mentioned something about a particular app. And his response was, I hate that whatever it would be app, 
with the passion of a thousand burning suns. <laughs> that just really resonated with me. I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. That's the title, The Passion of a Thousand Burning Suns. So I just kept writing and writing. And then after I started writing, I got to the point where I had about 10,000 words and my characters became almost like real life to me. And they started giving me ideas for writing the book. I mean, everything just started falling into place. So that's how I started writing the book. My impression is that sales is directly proportioned to a steamy cover. The whole book is not, uh, it's something. I have grandchildren. I have six or seven grandchildren, and they're grown, and I've got great-grandchildren. I had to write something that if my grandchildren read it, they wouldn't have to go hide, you know, and stay away from me for years because they couldn't stand to face me. So it had to be something that um, was not too steamy. Remember when I Love Lucy, all of these sitcoms were on years ago, and even in the movies. Anytime they showed even a husband or wife, if they were in the bedroom, man had to keep one, if he was leaning over the bed, Uh he had one foot on the floor. So my romance novel has one foot on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time when you said that you felt that time was running out. How do you feel about time and time running out now? How did, when you look ahead, your optimism very clearly shows in your face and in your manner. What do you see in the future for your whole life ahead of you? It's interesting. Um, I had a a big girl heart attack in 2020, the end of 2020, and had to have emergency uh, bypass surgery, uh, quadruple bypass surgery. That went well, got out of the hospital, and unfortunately had internal bleeding that we didn't know about from all the blood thinners they give people. Uh, Had to go back into intensive care uh, for another week and then came home. So I had already experienced what could have been the end of my life. But for some reason, it wasn't to be, and I've been allowed to stay here. I look at every day that I'm alive. When I wake up, I look at it. That's my gift. I am here. I open my eyes. I'm going downstairs. Eventually, I will get a late breakfast and watch Prices Right. So I've had a wonderful day ahead of me. I have a very close relationship with my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. In fact, I'm even babysitting my one-year-old great-grandson tonight. So I'm actively involved with the family. I have a lot of young people that I worked with at Foley's that I've maintained contact with. I don't view any time limits. I mean, I'm not thinking every day, okay, this could be it. Uh, I just, it just goes. I just take it as it comes and I'm not going to worry about it. I think someone once said, why would you want to die every day when you're only going to die once? In other words, don't think about it. Just do what you want to do. I mean, you're alive, you're breathing. uh, The sun is out. It's going to be cool before long. So life is great. Enjoy it. I, I love being old. If I wasn't old, I wouldn't have what I have now. I had to be old to get this. And things just keep happening and life just keeps going. And 
I just can't imagine not being here, but I know that day will come, but it doesn't bother me. I mean, to me, everything is okay. It's, it's procrastinating. I'm even procrastinating about dying. Uh, I'll do that maybe <laughs> next year <laughs> or the year after that. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.